Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, everyone, to the Lay the Points podcast. I am your host, Kendall Caps, alongside Jordan Shiro, as usual. Jordan, we are at the quarter pole, so to speak, uh, through the NFL season, which I can't believe this much time has already gone by. But, you know, we got four weeks under our belt now, and we're starting to get a, a much better gauge as to what teams are really c- capable of. You know, the one thing I know about football is it's it's any given Sunday. It's It's unpredictable. I mean, we talked about last week, Green Bay Packers. We felt so good about them going into that game. They're at home. They're going against Brian Hoyer. He gets hurt on the first drive of the game. Here comes Bailey Zappi. Zappi comes into the game. You're thinking as better. You're like, oh, we got this. Like, you know, and literally the Patriots had the lead in the fourth quarter. And the Packers were able to string it to take it to overtime to overtime and (laughs) only hit a a field goal to win it, win by three. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I have to own up to that one. That's one of my yeah. biggest swings and misses I've had in quite some time. I, I just didn't expect the Patriots to run the ball as successfully as they did. You know, the Packers the week before did a great job shutting down Leonard Fournette. I thought they would have a good enough game plan. Clearly that didn't come to fruition and Belichick pulled off some magic and kept that game as close as possible. Like you said, I mean, they led 24-17 in the fourth quarter. It was pretty remarkable to see. And I think it told me more about Green Bay than it did necessarily about New England. And even Aaron Rodgers himself said after the game, this is not sustainable. Like winning like this is not going to continue. If we keep playing like this, we are not going to win. Uh, So obviously there's some changes that need to be made in Green Bay. And, you know... Neither one of us were particularly high on them this year. You were really down on them. And so far, even though they're three and one, they have not looked very good. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't high on them from the beginning of the year. I mean, Aaron is starting to get some chemistry through a touch, you know, with, with Dobbs and, and uh, Christian Watson got involved in the offense, but yeah, I I'm, I'm still not very high on them. I think they have a long way to go to be a really, really tough team. Um, really disappointed also in their defense as well. I thought they were supposed to be one of the better defensive teams in the league and they just haven't shown it yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been weird outside of that one Bears game, which even then the Bears ran the ball very well. The one team that prior to New England had run the ball well against them. But, you know, they face another tough test this week. The Packers are back at Lambeau, back at home again to face the New York Giants, the surprising New York Giants, maybe the biggest surprise in the NFL thus far, who are three and one, albeit I think their schedule, you know, they they had the easiest strength of schedule coming into the season. But nevertheless, they've played a lot better than people expected. The Packers are favored by eight and a half. It's a really big number for a team that, you know, as we just said, had to go to overtime at home last week to beat the Patriots. And now they face just as formidable of a rushing game with maybe the the best running back in the NFL, at least today in Saquon Barkley. Yeah, Barkley's having a great year so far, and I think he's going to have a uh, a lot of success um, on Sunday against that Packers run defense. Um, that eight and a half number scares me a lot. Uh, I do not feel confident for Green Bay to uh, just go in there and and kind of have a big lead on them and kind of hold that. 
like like the whole game. I think it's going to be a lot close, closer than people expect. Um, I would, I mean, if anything, I would take New York plus eight and a half. I yeah, would that's not a, it's a really big number. And honestly, it's pretty surprising that that's where the line opened, knowing what we've seen from these two teams this year. I guess right. Vegas is still not a believer in the Giants. And I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge believer either, but there are a number of factors that lend itself toward taking New York here. So the Packers defense, not just this year, but last year and the year before, they ranked among the worst teams at limiting opposing quarterbacks who run the football. And Daniel mm-hmm. Jones quietly is averaging over 48 yards rushing per game. He's almost at 200 yards. He's He picks up a lot of first downs with his legs. Exactly. And knowing that Saquon also has been so effective running the football, I know they don't have any receivers to speak of, but that's not... You know, they weren't going to be able to throw the ball very well against the Packers defense anyway. You know that they were going to be leaning on the ground. So knowing that the Giants might find some success there, and we still haven't seen this Packer offense look anything close to what we were accustomed to seeing in years past, I was just blown away when I saw that line at eight and a half like you. Yeah. And, and not to mention, the Giants tend to play well in Lambeau. We've seen it in the playoffs numerous times. And they well, go this, in there and they're not intimidated going in there. Well, to sorry to cut you off. This is actually in London. This is not in London. Oh, that's right. The Packers are the designated home team. That's right. Yes. Yes. So um it's the first uh game in London where they've had two teams with winning records ever to play each other because these games are always like <laughs> not great games. So that's something Daniel Jones did practice today. There was a video of him um, moving around pretty well because at one point in the game, when he, when he hurt his ankle, they were direct snapping it to Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones was playing like a receiver because he just, (laughs) because, because they had lost um, Tyrod Taylor in that game as well. So they didn't even have a backup quarterback. The backup was hurt and they didn't have a, and, and I found out that um, I was, like when I was working, I was like, do they have a third string quarterback? They did not. So it looks like he will be good to go um, to play. But yeah, I, I I don't feel confident at all in Green Bay covering eight and a half based on what I saw last week, which I thought they were going to easily be able to handle business. They did not. So I'm not going to be riding high on Green Bay until they actually prove it to me. So give me the Giants plus eight and a half. Yeah, I agree. All right. From one big spread to another, how about the Buffalo Bills? laying 14 at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a Mm -hmm. really big number. Uh, Clearly, Vegas is not expecting this game to be close. Are you? Uh, That is, well, I'm like, the thing with Buffalo is, um, I saw a stat here that I'm trying to find. It's it's an amazing stat about this game. Um, But I will say, uh, Buffalo Bills, when they're at home, they're very, very tough to beat. And they're coming off an emotional win against Baltimore. and so, and they're going against Kenny Pickett, who's going to be getting his first start. Um, he he had a kind of a, he had some ups and downs in his first game, but that's kind of to be expected for a rookie to kind of get thrown in at halftime and kind of just like, you know, like you're not going to get like great results. Um, so he's going to go into a very, very hostile environment, um, you know, but it's football. I, I, my, my head tells me that the Buffalo Bills are going to smash them. And they're going to be up big and Pickett's going to struggle. But then it's just like, you just never know. I mean, Kenny Pickett could come in there, could go in there and and play really, really well and keep the game close. But um, 
if I had to go one way, um, I feel pretty confident that Buffalo is going to hammer the Steelers. Mika Fitzpatrick, one of their best defenders, did not practice today with a knee injury. If he's out, that's really going to put a damper on their defense already. So um, I expect Josh Allen to have one of his best games of his career this Sunday, probably totaling like five touchdowns. He'll probably throw four and run for one. Um, I see Buffalo big blowing them out um, on Sunday. Not only do I think the Bills, and again, I know it's not easy for any better to lay 14 and feel confident, but if there's ever a time where it makes a lot of sense, it's in this game. So I did some research and went back because, you know, I had had heard a lot of different people over the last year and change, uh, Colin Cowherd, you know, sometimes when I listen to him in the mornings and, and he always talks about, you know, the Bills have knockout power. They either are going to hammer you or they're going to lose a close game. And so I went back and looked. So I knew that last week was the first time since 2020 that the Buffalo Bills won a one-score game. That's astounding. They hadn't won a one-score game since the 2020 NFL season. But then I went and looked at their schedule since then. They won 11 games last year. They won those 11 games by an average of 22 and a half points. When they beat you, they hammer you. In the yeah. first two weeks this year, they beat the Rams by 30, and I forget who it was they beat in week two by thir- Tennessee by 38. So they've shown that they still have that same knockout power. And like you said, the the Steelers are starting Kenny Pickett on the road against what is, to this point, once again, statistically the best defense in the NFL. They're actually tied with San Francisco in yards allowed um, as, as the number one D in the league. San Fran leads in points allowed the bills aren't too far behind. Um, but for the Steelers offense, which already has massive problems, their offensive line is a complete disaster. Najee Harris can't find a hole to save his life going against that defense, which outside of Micah Hyde, who's lost for the year. And one of their defensive tackles is looking like he might not suit up again, but they got the rest of the defensive starters back. So they're a mostly healthy defense that should limit what a rookie quarterback making his first career start on the road is going to be able to do. And then on the other side of the ball, the Steelers defense hasn't stopped anyone. I mean, they made Zach Wilson look, look what Wilson was able to do in that fourth quarter against him uh, and allowing the jets to win the game. So again, 14 is a lot of points, but it should be a lot of points in this game. I don't see any reason why the bills don't do what they've done for a year and a half now which is win this game 34 to 13 or something along those lines. Yeah. I ended up finding that stat um, by Adam Schefter. He put Pittsburgh as a 14 point underdog in Buffalo. Pittsburgh is the only team since 1970 AF- AFL slash NFL merger to never be at least a 14 point underdog. Pittsburgh's largest underdog role since the merger is plus 13 and a half against Dallas in Super Bowl um, 30 when it lost by 10. So this is just set up to be like <laughs> Pittsburgh keeps it close. Can he pick it? How, how does he win in Buffalo? How does Buffalo lose this game? But I still think if you're going to put your hard earned money on, go with the team. That's one of the best in the NFL right now. Expect them to bounce back and trounce this team and absolutely make Mitchell Trubis, sorry, excuse me. Kenny Pickett's life miserable on Sunday. Yeah, this game should not be close. All right, uh, let's jump over to uh, to uh, uh, Tampa Bay. They're taking on the Falcons, and they're favored by nine. Yeah, um, it's another big line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they uh, kind of a surprising game on Sunday Night Football. 
uh, you know, KC kind of went in there. Tampa had the one of the best defenses in the league, and 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 they just came in there and just steamrolled them. Um, I mean, Tom Brady got his weapons back, and Mike Evans caught a couple touchdowns, and Chris Godwin. It was good to get him back, but um, yeah, I mean, that was a game I would, I I thought Tampa would really kind of play really well, um, but I guess it was kind of a revenge game for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs from the Super Bowl when they just got kind of just destroyed in that game so it was uh it was interesting to see but um uh, for atlanta they have uh patterson is out um yeah, they put him and, on Ky- and kyle pitts is not practicing so um i don't know about you but uh i feel pretty good about this one uh, what do you think nine is a pretty big number especially for a team in the box that obviously has not looked nearly as good as I think a lot of people were expecting, but we know that so much of that had to do with the health of the team. Their offensive line has been so banged up. They got their left tackle Donovan Smith back last week. So now you get him another full week of practice. And even though the Bucks defense was shredded by Mahomes, which to his credit, he has realized and made the adjustment Mahomes has that without Tyree kill, they need to dink and dunk a bit more, which means their drives are no longer 90 second drives, which then allows their defense to be a little bit fresher to go out on the field. Um, but despite that, the Bucks offense looked really good. Brady threw for 350 and three scores last week. He finally, like you said, Goblin got back into the fold, caught seven of 10 targets for 60 yards. Evans looked great as usual. Julio, he only played uh, limited snaps. He got hurt after his one catch, you know, but I think at this point, we know that Julio is not really adding much to this offense anyway. It's really the two-man show, and maybe Russell Gage can get some catches in there. Um, and it, it's going to be difficult, I think, to to cover this line. I, I, I'm not a complete believer on everything that Tampa Bay is doing right now, but when I went and looked in my mind, I was like, you know, I feel like I've watched a lot of shootouts between these two. And so I went back and I looked, and since Brady got to Tampa Bay, the average total for the four games between these two had 62 and a half points. The over-under is sitting at 48 and a half for this. And I think a lot of that is because they're not expecting Atlanta to score almost anything. And, you know, in the Brady and the Bucks, their offense hasn't been great. But like I said, they got back on track last week against a good Chiefs defense and had over 400 yards of offense. So I think Tampa's going to do plenty enough to score high 20s, low 30s, if not more. And Atlanta has enough good players. You know, they're two and two. They're playing a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Um, I I think that they should do enough to at least score a couple times. So if there's one thing out of this game that I really like, I love the over 48 and a half. Guess what team, the only team in the NFL right now, that's 4-0 against the spread. The Atlanta Falcons? Yes, sir. So take that into consideration. The only team. Yeah. It makes it makes nine even that much more scary. But it but if Kyle Pitts is is out, no Patterson. Yeah, I mean, like they're getting Kyle Pitts, though. Kyle Pitts, it's it's a travesty. As someone that owns him in three fantasy leagues, I want to Arthur Smith. Like yeah, you are what are so you doing? high on him. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just me. Everyone in the fantasy community, he was this. He was supposed to be right. the second coming, and they don't even throw him the football. It's unbelievable. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. This guy might be the most athletic pass catcher in the entire league, and they yeah. don't even give him targets. It's astounding. 
Um, so whether he plays or not, I don't know how much that impacts their offense. You know, I think losing Cordell Patterson at running back hurts, you know, quite a bit. But they have a couple of young guys, Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algar, who they drafted this past year in the fifth round, that both played well last week. They're probably going to share some carries. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect them to do a whole lot of, against that Tampa front. Um, but overall, you know, I just, I, I just have a hard time envisioning both teams, especially Tampa Bay, not scoring at will in this game. And it's interesting because for years and years and years, Julio Jones, as a member of the Falcons, every year when he played Tampa, anyone who played fantasy football knows that that was the one team he dropped 200 yards on like every other year. Like he owned Tampa Bay and now he gets to go against the Falcons. So that's a funny little, you know, side thing. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see why there shouldn't be plenty of points and 48 just seems like a really small number to me. All right, um, let's jump over to uh, 49ers. Um, they're at Carolina, and uh, the line is uh, minus six and a half over under 38 and a half. Um, well, San Francisco on Monday night bounced back. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. I, you know, like every time Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad game, he usually always responds. But man, that defense, man. I mean, they're, they're just playing lights out football right now. Um, they had... Uh, I, I think I saw a stat they had like 43 pressures on Monday night football. Like that's insane. I mean, um, that's almost, that's most of the snaps that the Rams had offensively. Yeah. I mean, like they were super banged up on their offensive line, but, um, that, that, uh, you know, like the 49ers rarely ever, um, blitz, but they blitzed a lot on, on, uh, on Monday because they just wanted to throw off and put that offensive line under intense pressure already. And it Cause worked. they usually, cause they're one of the least, um, um, blitzing teams in the league, San Francisco. And then, and then you have like on the back end, you know, uh, uh, Hufunga, which, I people are comparing him to Troy Palomalo. I think it's just the hair. But the yes. guy is playing lights out football. And um, I saw a stat today that was insane. Um, San Francisco's two, um, they're, they're two starting safety, um, Hufunga and uh, Tayshawn Gibson, um, when targeted in coverage this season. That combo have combined to allow a passer rating of 0.0. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god so then and also jimmy ward their starting safety who is on ir he's coming back and they also have jason verrett their starting cornerback last year he's coming back and both of those guys might play so verrett might move to the slot and then jimmy ward will um go back to his strong safety spot so you add those two guys in as well and carolina is not good um Baker Mayfield has been playing bad. I looked at his last two. He's thrown for under 200 yards in his last two games. His passer rating two weeks ago was 11.7, and last week it was like 8.5. I mean, he's missing wide open wide receivers. Like you see it, like like DJ Moore was wide open one time. He threw it over his head. They're just not a good team. Christian McCaffrey's banged up. I expect San Francisco to go in there run the football because the Carolina secondary is pretty good. I think they're 12th in the league. So, um, but, but their run defense is not very good. So I expect the 49ers to run a lot, get Debo Samuel quick throws, control the clock and just let that defense feast on Carolina. I see them easily covering that six and a half. Yeah. I mean, I believe that Carolina, because that secondary is as good as it is, which it, and it's 12th in the NFL, 
but some of their metrics, their advanced metrics, actually have them even better. Um, they've done a great job against elite receivers so far this season, but there is so much pressure on them. And like you said, you can run the ball on Carolina, and we know that Kyle Shanahan wants to run the football. Jeff Wilson Jr. has done a really good job since taking over the role for Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he had like 18 carries for another 75 yards and a score. You know, on his 30-yard touchdown run, once he got through the whole boom, it was like someone put a rocket to his back. Uh, he was clocked at over 20 miles an hour during that run. Um, so you you know that San Francisco is going to run, want to run the football, and I expect them to do it relatively successfully. And it's really difficult to figure out where the points are going to come from from Carolina. They, they can't run the ball effectively, and it's highly unlikely they run it effectively against this Niners front. And then Baker Mayfield, who, in my opinion, has looked worse than arguably any starting quarterback in the NFL this year. He has made DJ Moore, who had three straight years of over 1,100 yards receiving, he's on pace for half of that this year. I mean, he's getting like 25 yards a game. And like I said, he's open. It's not that he's not beating guys. Baker Mayfield's throwing passes off his offensive lineman's helmets three times a week. And then wasn't there like seven deflections last week? That's insane. It was it was nuts. And you know, he's a smaller, he's a smaller quarterback, and that makes it a little bit more difficult. And also you listen to him at his press conference after every game, and he's so combative with the media and he needs to prove something. But he's just not capable of proving what he believes in himself. I'm sorry, he's just not. And so like you know, the implied total of this game with sitting at 38 and a half, Vegas is telling you 22 to 16, if the spreads at six and yeah. a half. I don't know how Carolina gets 16 points. I think the only way they get there is if they get a pick six. Yeah. Um, so even though I agree that San Fran probably should win this game going away, I could foresee a situation where San Francisco's offense struggles in the red zone, only scores 17 uh, and they might cover, they might not, but I like the under, I know 38 is a small number, but give me the under. Cause I just don't know how Carolina scores points in this game. Yeah. I mean, I like the under too, but you know, like I do expect Carolina to turn the ball over cause the Niners are just feasting. I could see an interception, a couple fumbles. And if that happens in the red zone, that could bump the score up a little bit, but I feel pretty confident, um, in that under as well, but I feel very confident even on the short. Yeah, yeah like even on the, on the road is a little scary going cross yeah, country. Right. But I still feel that, you know, the Niners defense is um um it's something else. I mean, they are so fast. I mean, like they basically I mean, yeah, like on Monday Cooper Cup got his like I think he had what like t- 12 targets in the first half. Okay, okay, that's fine. They shut down Allen Robinson, couldn't run the ball. So they're like, "Oh, sure. Like if you want to throw a little eight yard outs to Cooper cup all the way down the field. And then we'll stop you in the red zone. That's fine. You know, sure. Like settle for field goals. But then when it got to third, you know, like second down or third down and long, then they'd get after Stafford. So it's just like, I mean, yeah, do what you are really they honest- do to Baker Mayfield? I guess, man, maybe, yeah, the, maybe the under, maybe you're right. Maybe the better play is the Niners because the Niners defense might score 14 in this game. Yeah. I could right? definitely see them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like they're gonna they're gonna generate a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield in that game. And do you feel confident that he's gonna be able to just like make good throws and make good yeah, decisions? No, Not no, at all. no. Yeah, yeah. So, you're probably right. This this might be the week of the favorites. Yep. All right. Let's 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 go to the Rams. We just talked about. Um, they're uh, five and a half favorites versus the Cowboys in Dallas. Uh, over under on that is forty three and a half. What do you think? 
So this is the first game that we've talked about where I actually really like the dog. Give me the Cowboys plus five and a half. I have seen nothing from the Rams that makes me confident in this offense. They cannot run the ball. It wasn't just last week against you guys. It's been all season. They can't run the ball. They turn the ball over. Matt Stafford, I think he's tied for the league leader, second in the NFL in interceptions. He's been sacked the second most in the NFL. He's been sacked 16 times already in four games. And guess what? Dallas is second in the NFL with 16 sacks. So they do as good of a job getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And the Rams do the worst job at protecting their quarterback. Like you said, they're solely reliant on Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson has been non-existent all year. He has nine catches for the entire season. He's it, He just can't even get separation. It's not at all yeah. what both fans, Rams fans, a lot of people, myself, including entering the season, thought he still had some juice left in the tank. It doesn't appear that he does. And knowing all of those factors, you know, the one thing that I think will keep it close is Dallas's inability to, con- you know, consistently run the ball well. I mean, Zeke is picking up 40, 50 yards a game. Tony Pollard had a really down game last week and the Rams have completely shut down opposing running games for the most part outside of Jeff Wilson's 30 yard run. They did a pretty good job. He averaged three and a half yards per carry on his other 17 carries. Um, So overall, I I think the Rams defense might be able to keep them in this game. Maybe they win it. They're at home, but you know, that stadium, SoFi stadium playing the Cowboys. I went to the bills Rams game. There was a, 50-50 split, maybe slightly more Bills fans. I expect it to be heavily more Cowboys fans in this game, so there's not much of a home field advantage. And I know it's Cooper Rush, but he's playing well right now. So give me the five and a half. Yeah, this one's tough. I mean, like the Rams are just, I don't know, you know, like they beat up on an Arizona team who I don't think is very good. Sure, Arizona won last week at Carolina, but Carolina stinks. Yep. Um, but yeah, but Dallas has been playing really, really well. Like it all just comes down to, to, uh, to Cooper rush. I mean, he's been playing really, really well. Is he bound to have a bad game? I mean, like he found some good rhythm with, with CD found Michael Gallup, um, who, uh, had his first game back only had a couple catches, found him in the back of the end zone. So that's good to have him back as well. Um, it just depends if, you know, like they can get the run game going and, uh, it's just all going to depend on him the defense i think of the cowboys are going to play really really well against stafford again they're going to put a lot of pressure on him i do think the rams will play better um because i think the niners um at home against right so i don't think the rams are going to play bad it just depends on how cooper rush plays um if he plays really well i don't know i mean like this one's tough like i was leaning on dallas um but since the rams are at home um i just think that like is he bound to have a bad game? I mean, he's 4-0 in his career, 3-0 this season. So it's just kind of like, but it's just kind of hard to go against him because he's been playing really, really well. You know, like he hasn't been making a lot of mistakes. Will he make mistakes in this game is the question for me. I mean, I, I could see him playing relatively poorly for the first time this season and turning it over a couple times. But I think that has to happen for the Rams to win. If he plays competent football, the Cowboys are winning this game. Like I said, this is going to be more like a home game for the Cowboys than it is for the Rams. I think you can take home field advantage completely out of the equation. I would be shocked if there were not more Cowboy fans in that stadium on Sunday. And I I know that the Rams are not going to run the football well. 
And I know that Stafford is going to be under duress and only has one person that he looks at almost every play. Whereas with the Cowboys, there's at least a couple options offensively. So to me, if Cooper Rush plays well, the Cowboys win this game outright. If he doesn't play well, the Rams can win. But even then, five and a half seems like a lot to me. Then I think the Rams maybe yeah. win by a field goal. So knowing you know, that that's kind of in my mind, either the Rams win a close game or the Cowboys win outright. So five and a half to me, if you can give me that, knowing everything that's going on with these two teams going into this game, I love the points. Totally agree. I, I think that point spread is too high. I think this game's going to be close. It's either going to be like the Rams are not going to cover or, or, or Dallas is going to win the game. Which man, could you imagine if they win this game, if the Cowboys win this game and then Dak is finally healthy next week, they play the undefeated Eagles. And you go back to Dak at that point, having Cooper Rush being 4-0 as a starter playing really well, you bring Dak back against arguably the best team in football. And let's say you drop that game, then like there's going to be a lot of conversations. And I'm not saying there should be conversations about who the starting quarterback is, but sometimes you want to ride a wave as long as you can. And if they keep winning, it's you know, it's not the easiest choice to just pull him just because this other guy who didn't look very good the one time we did see him this year uh, is healthy. So that'll that'll be very interesting. But obviously, you know, I'm putting the cart ahead of the horse. They still do have to beat what is a very talented Rams team to even get to that point. By no means do I think this is a slam dunk that the Cowboys win this game. I just think five and a half is a slap in the face based on the matchups of this particular game. Right. Um All right, so uh, let's jump to Kendall's Corner. You got some uh, good picks uh, this weekend. Go ahead. All right, well, so last week, I I definitely got to own up to it. I had a a rough week with my lock of the week. The Colts clearly didn't show up at all. I think at this point, I need to jump off that bandwagon. Uh, A lot of us thought they were going to be much better than they are. Matt Ryan has fumbled 10 times. No joke, 10 times this year. Uh, They've only lost four, but still, he's fumbled 10 times in four games. He's done. Uh, so I won't be picking the Colts anytime soon. Um, however, there is one game that really stood out to me with the line, the Lions and the Patriots game, the over-under sitting at 45 and a half. The Lions lead the NFL in scoring so far, which I don't think anyone on the planet saw that coming. In New England, their defense has been very, very leaky. You wouldn't expect that to be the case, knowing their, their defense was really solid last year. It's the main reason they got into the postseason. But teams have been running the ball at will on them. And knowing the Lions, you know, they're both they're good both on the ground and through the air. I think they're going to find, you know, ways to be able to score some points in this game. And the opposite side of it, New England is also one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL between Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. And the Lions, as we saw again last week, Rashad Penny ran for a buck 50 and two scores. The Lions are 30th in the NFL in run defense. Their secondary's done a decent job, but they're, they can't stop anyone on the ground. So the Patriots are going to run the ball successfully, which will allow them to get into the end zone a few times. The Lions, I feel very confident, will score a few times. So 45 and a half seems a little low to me. Take the over. Um, last week with my teaser, I went six teams. I got a little aggressive. I should have known better. That's way too much of a gamble. I I won't lead you astray leading you with a six team teaser any longer. I pulled it back to three, three teams this week and feel really, really confident. So if you could tease the San Francisco 49ers down to minus a half a point, so they just have to win, they're going to beat Carolina. You can tease that Lions Patriots over that I just mentioned down to 39 and a half. That's damn near a lock that they will be over 39 and a half points in that. And then you can do the same exact thing 
with the Tampa Atlanta game. Tease that down to 39 and a half for the over. And if you want to get a little cute and add a fourth one to get plus 240, tease the Chiefs to minus one and a half. They hammer the Raiders. The last five times they've played them, I believe it is, they've been blowing the doors off of them and they're playing extremely well right now. It's hard to believe the Chiefs at home aren't going to win that game by more than a point. Um, so as bad as last week was with the lock of the week in the teaser, I made up for it by hitting our parlay for the second week in a row, looking for the third week. And the way I go about these parlays, I find the two or three teams I know are going to win. You just take the money line. Sometimes you're going to get more than even money. Sometimes you're not going to get that this week. There were only three games. I knew for a fact who's going to win. The chiefs are going to win. The bills are going to win. The bucks are going to win. You take those three money lines. Lay minus 130. You'll bet 100 bucks to win 70 or five, 75 or so to get back. But it's free money because those teams are not losing. And that's Kendall's Corner. Good stuff, Kendall. Good stuff. Definitely like the, uh, the, uh, the parlay at the end with the Chiefs, the Bills, and Tampa money. Those teams are that. not losing this week. Yeah. And, and yeah. people are always, when they're playing parlays, parlays generally are tricky and really hard to hit. And honestly, you know, when Vegas created the invention of a parlay, it's a sucker bet. It's known as a sucker bet to most betting professionals, unless you're taking money lines. Once you deal with the point spread, and you're parlaying with point spreads. It's really, really difficult. But if you were just targeting money lines, we know who is going to win a couple games every week. There's always a couple slam dunks. You just put those together. And like I said, sometimes you're not quite getting even money, but I know those teams are going to win this week. Just like last week, I knew the three teams that I picked were going to win, and they did. So just take the free money. That's basically what they're doing when you make the right bet. Good stuff this week. Um, Looking forward to week five for Jordan. Uh, That's Kendall. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.